Welcome to Want to Want It, a podcast for women of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are ready to ignite not only their sexual desire, but all of their desires to create a more fulfilling life and marriage. I'm Jamelyn Steffen. I'm a certified life coach, a wife, and a mother of seven children. I'm excited to share my personal journey to desire with you and teach you how to desire more as well. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. I want to say happy Tuesday, but last week I put my show out on Wednesday because I forgot to hit the publish button. So hopefully it's Tuesday, whatever day it is. Happy day to you. Today, I want to talk about what really causes your feelings. So I went to the Life Coach School with Brooke Castillo, and she taught me her model. And it is the tool that I use the most in my coaching because it really has been the most powerful, life-changing tool for me. Because it's really taught me what causes my feelings and how much power I actually have to create the feelings I really want in my life. It has also taught me why my thoughts and feelings are so important to everything I do. So I want to go over this model today on the podcast because it really is the basis of so many things that I'm going to teach and talk about going on in my podcast. So like I said, Brooke Castillo taught me this model and it has five components. The first is circumstance. The second is thought. The third is feeling. The fourth is actions. And the fifth part of the model is your result. So when I learned this, I really loved it because I felt like it actually up-leveled my agency and really educated me about where my agency actually begins. Now, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we really value agency and we talk about it a lot, this gift that we've been given to choose. But we don't recognize necessarily where our agency actually begins. And this tool taught me that I had more agency and more power in my life than I actually recognized and knew. So as I go through this and teach it to you, I want you to understand that the purpose of the model is actually awareness. It's meant to help you see the things that you're thinking and what they're creating in your life and to decide if you want to keep thinking those thoughts and creating those same results. It's actually not meant as something to beat yourself up with and look at and say, oh, I'm so terrible. Look what I've done to myself. That's not the point at all. So don't use this as a beating stick. It's just to give you some awareness. Let's start with the very first part of the model, which is the circumstance and the thought you have about that circumstance. Because we always want to separate out the circumstances from our thoughts. Because the circumstance is always going to be just the facts. So it's the temperature outside. It's the people around you. Humans are just facts. It's the mountains. It's your weight. It's the balance in your bank account. The cup sitting by your sink. The text somebody sent you. These are just facts. Everybody would agree that they are just what they are. And they're not really disputable. The circumstances are also neutral. They're not good or bad. They just are what they are. It's, they're just very neutral. But then we have our thoughts about the circumstance or the story that we tell ourselves about the circumstance. So let's say that the circumstance is it's minus 10 outside. Now, we may have the thought, that's a little cold. And that might seem really factual to us, but it really is just our thought. Even if our neighbors agree that it feels cold out, it's just our thought because when my friend from Tuktoyaktuk comes to visit, she feels like minus 10 is amazing because 
what she thinks about it is different than me, it doesn't make it a fact if I think it's cold. The fact is it's minus 10. My thought about it or my story about it is it's cold. So again, the circumstance isn't good or bad. It's just what it is. And our thought about the circumstance is the reason that we feel positive or negative about it. And this is where our agency really begins, which is the best news, because you actually have the power to decide if something is a problem or not. You get to decide whether it's positive or negative for you or good or bad. And all the responsibility is on you, but it means you have the power to make it what you want. And just know, it's actually okay if you want something to be negative or to feel negative to you. When I hear about somebody taking a child from their family and selling them to another human, I want to be horrified at that. But I want to recognize that I'm choosing it. Because there are people out there that think that's fantastic. They make money on that. They have a totally different thought about it than I do. I choose to feel horrified by that. I don't want to feel good about it or try and not feel upset about it. It's like, nope, I don't like that. And I choose that and I know I choose it. Another way to see how your thoughts are the reasons that you're feeling something and not the circumstance is to look at how people parent their children in the same circumstance. So let's say you have a 13-year-old daughter that goes out her window in the middle of the night, meets her friends at a park, and they drink alcohol together. But they get caught and the police bring her home. So you get this knock on your door in the middle of the night and there is your daughter. You put a hundred parents in this situation and you will probably see a hundred different reactions because every parent is going to think something different about that circumstance. One parent might think, I did that at 13. That's pretty normal. Another parent might think, I really just want her to be safe. So I'm going to talk and encourage her to be more wise and where she chooses to drink. Another parent might go into this, I failed as a parent. I have to ground this child. I'm taking away her phone. She has to sleep on the floor of our bedroom. I'm going to get her some counseling and on and on. And none of those reactions are either right or wrong, but you can see how the thoughts that they have about the circumstance are going to make it positive or negative. Now, it's easy to think that the problem is the daughter and her behavior, but in reality, the problem is what you think about her behavior. Now, again, you can choose to believe her behavior is a problem, but you just have to own that you're choosing it. And I recently had to learn this lesson again for myself. I was really sure that the way my child was acting was causing a huge problem for me. And I spent an evening complaining to my husband about it. And by the end of the conversation, we were both super frustrated, him more with me than with our child. So the next day I sat with my coach and she really helped me sort through this and reminded me that my child's behavior wasn't the problem. The problem is what I was thinking about that child's behavior. So I cannot stress enough how important it is to recognize the difference between the facts and your thoughts about the facts. This is where all of your power lies. This is where your agency begins. Because I felt like my child was causing all my problems. I felt totally powerless to change anything. And I started trying to control my child so that I could change the child and change my circumstance. As soon as my coach reminded me that my thoughts were causing the problem, I took all my power back. If I wanted things to change, all I had to do was change my thoughts and I had the power to do that. When you think the circumstance is in control of your life or your happiness, you are powerless. 
when you know it's your thoughts that actually control your feelings in your life, suddenly you are powerful and have the ability to solve any problem. Now, I want you to know there is no right way to think about a circumstance, but certain thoughts are going to serve you better in your life. That's why we want to be aware of them. I'm just trying to show you that your circumstances don't make you think and feel a certain way. They're neutral. You have the power to choose what you want to think. We don't always recognize this because we have so many practice thoughts and we feel like they just happen to us. But at some point, whether deliberately or not, we chose those thoughts and now they are our default thoughts. We don't even pay attention to them. We have thought them for so long, we really think they are the facts, so we hardly notice them. The power of the model is that it gives us awareness to start to see what we are thinking on default. And then we get to start to think more on purpose. And this is why the model uplevels our agency. Now, we've talked about the circumstance and the thought. The next line of the model is the feeling line, because what we think creates what we feel. We always want to believe that the circumstance is creating our feelings. But like I've already showed you, it's what we make our circumstance mean, the thoughts that we have about it, that create our feelings. If you have a default thought about a circumstance, that thought is going to create a feeling for you. But when you're striving to choose your thoughts on purpose, you can ask yourself, how do I want to feel about this? Let's use a 13-year-old girl sneaking out again. Perhaps your gut reaction to seeing your daughter at the door with the police is to feel embarrassed or enraged. And that's okay because that might be your brain's go-to in a very unexpected situation. But before you go talk to your daughter, you can decide on purpose how you want to feel going into that conversation. So you would ask yourself, how do I want to feel when I go talk to her? If you like the feelings you have already, then you're fine. If you want to feel something different, then you're going to have to get your thoughts in line with that. So if I decided I don't want to feel rage when I go talk to her, this is not going to go well if I do that but I can't get myself to feeling love right now, I might decide on curiosity. Curiosity is one of my favorite emotions when it feels hard to get to something else. So to get to curiosity, I'd have to think thoughts that would create that feeling in my body, such as, I wonder why she's sneaking out. I wonder if there's anything else going on. I wonder how she feels about being brought home by the police. By deliberately choosing curious thoughts, I now can feel curious instead of anger as I go to talk to my daughter. Now, in the end, I may still come up with a punishment for my daughter for sneaking out and drinking, but I'm not doing it from a place of rage or embarrassment. Those emotions are never going to bring out the best in me. I'm doing it from a place of wisdom and sense because I'm curious. I want to be really clear on this idea that your thoughts create your feelings. Because so much of what I'm going to teach you on the podcast goes back to the idea that our thoughts create our feelings. If you think about my Love Languages podcast, I talked about how you cannot put the feeling of love into someone's body. You can't create that for them because you are a circumstance in the life of the people around you and your actions are circumstances in their lives as well. So when you speak someone's love language to them, it's just a circumstance for them. They get to decide with their thoughts about the action that you've taken. And if they want to think he loves me or she loves me, then they're going to feel love in their body. 
That's why when I talked about love languages, I cautioned you to not get caught in the trap of believing that you can make someone feel loved. Now, I haven't done a lot of podcasts, but I seriously can't remember if I've told this story before. So if I have, I apologize. But it's one of the best examples I have of how you cannot create a feeling for somebody. So I was serving in the Relief Society presidency in our ward. So for those of you who are maybe not members of our church, the Relief Society is the organization for the women in the church. And I approached another woman about an event that we were having at my home. She rarely came to church, but I went to her and said, hey, we're having this event at my house. We would really, really love you to come. Anyways, she was completely offended by my invitation. I didn't know that. She called another woman in the Relief Society presidency and told her that I had completely offended her and said, who does she think she is inviting me to this party? I was completely confused because I was just trying to help her to feel loved and included, but it had actually offended her. So in this situation, my invitation to her was a circumstance in her life. My actions had no power to make her feel loved or included. Now, how I acted may have made it easier for someone else to believe that they were loved and included, but it didn't do that for her because her thoughts didn't allow that. It's just really good to understand that we can't make anyone feel anything. This is why people-pleasing is so frustrating and doesn't work like we want it to work. People-pleasers are always trying to make people feel something. They don't understand that their thoughts create their feelings just like our thoughts create our feelings. This is also really good to know because it means we have all the control over how we feel 100% of the time. Nobody can make us feel anything. Now, here's a word of caution. The goal isn't to try and feel good all the time. Sometimes we want to grieve. Sometimes we want to be disappointed. Sometimes it is wise to feel scared. Now, we've talked about the circumstances, the facts. We've talked about the thoughts or the story. And we've talked about our feelings. Now, the next line of the model is the action line because our feelings are always going to fuel our actions. When we feel happy, we're going to act differently than when we're sad. When we're excited, we're going to act differently than when we're depressed. So your feelings are going to be the reason that you do anything that you do or that you don't do. So if you take the example of the woman that I invited to the Relief Society party, my invitation to her was just a circumstance, but then she had a thought about it, something like, you know, who do I think I am for inviting her? And she felt offended. Those feelings of offense caused her to phone my friend and tell her how upset she was with me and that she was not coming, which was a lie because she came in the end. <laughs> if her thoughts had never made my invitation a problem for her, if she had thought, they really want me to come, she would have felt probably more accepted or loved and her actions would have been completely different. Now, take the case of the 13-year-old daughter sneaking out. If the parent is feeling rage, they're going to go into that child and yell and scream and threaten and maybe not even let that child speak. If the parent goes in with feelings of curiosity as their primary feeling, they're going to ask a lot of questions and they're going to let the child do the majority of the talking. They may still come out with the same consequence, but both the parent and the child are going to have had a totally different experience. So your actions or inactions or reactions can be a red flag for you to help you see a little clearer what you're feeling and thinking about a certain problem in your life. 
Like, how do you act when you're annoyed or angry versus when you're curious or confident or excited? When you look at your actions, it shows you, it can be kind of a mirror for you to see, oh, this is what I'm actually feeling and thinking right now. And our actions really matter because it's our actions that give us the results we have in our life. And that's the last line of the model. If you have an area of your life that you want to change or a relationship you want to change, you have to change how you act, which means you're going to have to change what you feel, which means you're going to have to change your thoughts. If you want a better relationship with your husband, you have to change your thoughts about him. This is going to change how you feel about him. And then it's going to change how you act towards him. And before you know it, your relationship with him is going to be different. So here's an example of how the model would work in a sexual relationship. So if we had the circumstances that you have a husband and you have sex with him, and maybe you have a thought, sex is all about him. And you may have a lot of evidence that this thought is true. Because if there's one thing our brain likes, it likes to be right. So as soon as you have the thought, sex is all about him. Your brain is going to work to find evidence for that story. And I want to just pause here and reiterate that your eye is going to look for what your brain tells it to see. So when you have a thought about something, you're going to start watching for all the reasons this is true. I see this just within our church. There are people who believe that in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the true gospel is taught and they find evidence for this all the time. And then there are people within the church that doubt that, that worry that it isn't true, and they find tons of evidence for that. In any relationship you have, you're going to have opinions or thoughts about that person. And whatever those thoughts are, your brain is going to try and prove it true all the time. Okay, so back to the scenario where you believe that sex is all about your husband. Now, every time he asks for sex, when you feel like he knows you're not well, or tired, you're going to say to yourself, see, sex is all about him. Or if he pouts when you don't give him what he wants, sex is all about him, right? You're just going to find more and more evidence for why this story is true. And you're just going to believe it deeper and deeper because you're going to practice that thought. It's all about him. And it creates this feeling in your body of hopelessness or defeat or maybe even anger. And then how are you going to act with those feelings? Like You might stop talking to him about sex. You may never tell him the things that you like. Maybe you'll decide, I just always say yes, but I'm disconnected emotionally. Maybe you complain about him to other people. But as you can see, you start to make your sexual relationship completely focused on him by the way that you act. And that's the result you create in the end. Whatever you do, you're going to show up in that relationship, not really as the wife you want to be. And you're not going to do the things that will help that relationship become more about both of you. Whereas if you recognize that this thought, sex is all about him, has been a default thought, but it's not creating what you want, then you can start to make a change. And maybe you try on the thought, how can I make our sexual relationship about both of us? And then you're going to start to feel some curiosity. And that curiosity is going to fuel questions for you. It's going to give your brain a problem to solve. Because when you ask your brain a question, it wants to find the answer. So instead of collecting all the evidence against your husband, your brain is going to start to work to find how do we make this about both of us? What can I do to make it about both of us? And in the end, you most likely will create a sexual relationship that feels like it's about the two of you. 
The other thing that I love about curiosity that I just want to add here is it really opens me up to the spirit. So when I'm searching for evidence for how terrible somebody is or how unfair my life is, I can find it all the time. And I just block the spirit because I'm so closed off just trying to find the evidence to prove this thought. But when I'm curious, I am open to learning from the spirit and asking, what if I'm wrong about this? Or what am I not seeing? And then the spirit has the opportunity to come in and change my heart. So I know that we've all been trained to think that our circumstances are the reasons that we feel the way we do. But it's not our circumstances. It's what we think about them. We also like to believe that what we do or the actions that we take will change our feelings. So for example, the thought, if I exercise five times a week, then I'm going to feel acceptable. But it's not the exercise that makes you feel worthy. It's not exercising five times a week that makes you feel worthy and acceptable. It's what you think when you exercise five times a week. We also want to think that our results make us feel something. We want to think, oh, if I make $100,000, then I'm going to feel successful. But $100,000 doesn't make you feel successful. It's what you think about yourself when you make $100,000 that creates that feeling of success. We also want to believe that we can create a feeling without aligning our thoughts with it. People always say you can choose to be happy, which I believe you can, but the process doesn't look like I thought it would. I can't be thinking a bunch of negative thoughts and then fill my heart with happiness. If I want to choose to be happy, it isn't about choosing the feeling. It's about choosing the thoughts that will create that feeling in my body or even You should be grateful. Saying that doesn't make you feel grateful. It most likely makes you feel guilty. I have to think I'm thankful thoughts to feel gratitude. Here is a quick recap. Take any circumstance. The thought you think about that circumstance is going to create a feeling in your body. That feeling is going to fuel the actions that you take, and those actions are going to give you the results you have in your life. If you don't like your current results in a certain area of your life, you need to look at what you're thinking and make a change. If you want a different future than your past, you have to change what you think. Not everything has to change. Keep the thoughts that are moving you in the right direction. But if you want to stop patterns or results that you don't like and aren't giving you the life you want, you're going to have to change your thinking. If you want your life to be easier, you have to start believing it is. If you want a totally different sexual relationship, you have to start thinking about your spouse differently and about that relationship differently. If you want to go after a goal that you never thought you could get, you have to start questioning and wondering if it actually is possible. Nothing is a problem until you make it one. Remember, the goal of this model is to give you awareness of what you're thinking and creating in your life. The goal of life is to experience it, all of it. So we don't want to only think positive thoughts and create only positive emotions. Instead, we want to think thoughts that give us the life we want. Courage does not feel good, but it definitely gets us closer to the life we want. It's not all about feeling positive emotions. It's about feeling the most useful emotions, the ones that are going to fuel you towards the life you want. I love this quote from President Nelson. Conference is coming up, and if you want to see the model in action, you will see it in the way people talk. Elder Uchtdorf talks about the model all the time. Here's a quote from President Nelson. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. 
Let's get out there and up-level our agency, choose our thoughts deliberately, and change our lives. See you next week. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you hear on the podcast and you'd like to learn more, feel free to head over to my website, jamelinsteffencoaching.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at jamelinsteffencoaching.com.